Hey folks, my name is Andy Sido. I'm a singer, songwriter, musician, producer out of, for the first time ever, Nashville, Tennessee. My guest this week is singer, songwriter, and musician Eric Stuckey. All right, welcome back. I know it's been a few months. The last episode I put out was with Sam Birchfield. Um, he's been doing great uh, on the tour circuit. He's been uh, he's had a lot of success online, and um, he's killing it right now. So if if you haven't heard that uh, episode yet, after this one is done, it'll go right into it uh, with Sam Birchfield. So check it out. Anyway, this is usually a weekly show, and. In May, uh, my wife and I had to move out of our place in Lakewood, Colorado, right outside of Denver. And we crashed with parents, uh, her parents for about three weeks, my parents for about three weeks, and I just gigged my butt off. Uh, My band headlined the Bluebird Theater in Denver, which was a wonderful, wonderful show. Um, And then we moved out here in mid-July to Nashville, um, Hendersonville, actually, about 20, 25 minutes northeast of, of the center of Nashville. Um, so we're settling in here. I, I was home for a few days, getting moved in, and then I was on the road for a couple weeks, had a show in Crested Butte, did the Falcon Ridge Folk Festival in Connecticut, and now I'm home, this new home for the month of August, and then back out uh, September 1st, October 1st. So it's been a crazy time. Uh we're flying by the seat of our pants a little bit. Um, I'm just trying to find gigs in a new town. I'm humbled by not having consistent work for the first time in my adult life. And, uh, and it's also a ton of fun. I've been using this time to kind of restructure my career and what I want to prioritize. Um, I set up the most wonderful home studio that is, that is more than I could ever imagine. Um, it's just a great place to, to be creative and do stuff. So a lot going on. But all that to say, this is the first episode I've put out uh, in about three months due to all of that, and it is with my friend Eric Stuckey. We have a lot of mutual friends. He's from Montrose, Colorado, uh, Western Slope, and he's buddies with AJ Fullerton, who's been on the podcast, and with David Starr, with S-T-A-R-R, who's been on the podcast, uh, and Jackson Emmer, who's been on the podcast. Um, And Eric now lives... In Nashville, he's been here for six or seven years, um, recently got married as well, and he's out here in Nashville, and it was really cool to see, as I'm looking into who I want to book for the podcast coming up, how many people live right here, and they can just come over, and we can do an in-person interview um, instead of the Zoom interview. That's always kind of fun. So Eric came over, and we chatted. I, I asked him for all kinds of advice about what to do when just moving to Nashville and how he's handled the landscape. Some of that was before the podcast. Some of it was during. Um, And we chatted a lot about his career as well, growing up in Montrose, uh, studying mandolin from an early age with John Moore, and uh, and touring, doing some international touring. Uh, He's got two records out, including one that just turned two years old, called good vibrations it's a great record uh, there's great continuity throughout it which i love too i'm a, you know i'm an old school records guy and uh it, you know it's something i would put in my record collection and it's you know it's it's got all kinds of it marries a bunch of different things and i love hearing artists develop 
Um, you know, his first record was a little more uh, acoustic, bluegrass, Americana. And, and, and this record, um, that was Stray Clouds, his first record. This record, Good Vibrations, um, you know, there's mandolin, but there's also horns. And there's uh, Americana, but there's also pop. And it's a feel-good, um, good vibes in the mountains, but also on a beach. It's it's a melting pot of things. It's a great record, and, and I recommend you checking, checking it out. It's called Good Vibrations once again. Um, so we chat about that um, and a whole bunch of stuff. So I'll jump into it. I'm excited for you to hear our conversation. A couple quick things. I want to say thanks to our sponsor, Narrator Music. They're a sync library for simple and affordable licensing for sync visit narratormusic.com also if you'd like to support this podcast give it a five-star rating or review on apple podcasts or wherever you're listening um and if you'd like to support in a monetary way i'm on patreon at patreon.com slash andy sido s-y-d-o-w i'm offering a new thing where i'm recording cover songs uh of, of their choosing for new members so check that out uh there's a link for it in the description Okay, let's jump in. My conversation with Eric Stuckey. Eric, what's happening? Thanks for joining me. I'm happy to be here, Andy. Thanks. This is uh, pretty neat because I, though there's been 116, 117 episodes, um, this is my first episode in the new place in Nashville. And since COVID, uh, pretty much everything's been on Zoom, which has been kind of brilliant because uh, you can have whoever you want on, I mean, that agrees to do it. doesn't matter where they live, but this is cool because so many of the people I want to have on the podcast are also living in Nashville, and I can say, hey, just come over, and uh, it's great. That is cool. Two Colorado guys doing a podcast in Nashville. That's right. That's right. We're, uh, we're all slowly migrating. Yeah. Or maybe quickly. Uh, yeah, I think the, the, probably the, the latter. I think everybody I've met, not everybody, but more people than I thought have told me about a period of time where they lived in Colorado, whether they're from there, like you and I are not, uh, yeah, there's a lot of connection, I think. For sure. And, uh, I, it's always nice to be from there because, you know, you meet a lot of people who say, oh, I lived in Denver. It's like, yeah. But I'm from there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, yeah. And I'm sure that I'm sure the Nashvilleians feel the same way too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the few that are here. Yes, yes. Um, do you have a six one five number? Did you do it? No, I, I'm still nine seven zero. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm. I'm not changing mine. I don't care what they say. I'm. I'm living in the three hundred three, baby. It, yeah. It's unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. It's twenty twenty three. Yeah. Well. I've I've heard many old people say that you need to get a six one five number, and I'm not going to say what age old is, but I'm not changing my number. There, I I remember hearing that. Um, it was maybe right when I got shortly after got out of high school, I came down here for a few months, and that was one of the things. Is like you've if if uh, you know you want to change, get your six one five number, even if you're not living here, um, but that way. You know, it's almost like, uh, I guess, on Facebook or Instagram, you know, where it's like Nashville, Tennessee um, in your bio, but uh, it just kind of gives people, 
gives you credibility, or it did at that time. So I, I, I have heard that same thing. Do you think it, it gives extra credibility in your Instagram bio now to say that you're from Nashville, or, or, or does it just does it really matter anymore where you where you say you're from? I, I don't know. Um, I think there probably is a thing, uh, kind of an 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 air or an idea of somebody who is based out of Nashville. Um, and uh, part of that is probably legitimate, but um, but anymore, the world's so small. Things are happening on Zoom, you know. Uh, concerts that are just like strictly Facebook concerts or whatever, but so it just seems like um, where you happen to, it, I think it's mattering less and less. Yeah, 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 probably so. But who knows? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're you're from uh, you're from Colorado. I grew up on the Western Slope, Montrose, yeah. um, and and you certainly have some mountain in your music. Um, your first instrument, I believe, was the mandolin, right? That's right, yeah. And you started taking lessons with John Moore of Bluegrass, et cetera, in California. Yeah. Um, how did all that come about? How did you first get into it? Well, I um, I grew up uh, in a small town in western Colorado, Montrose, and um, I, I heard the mandolin the first time. I actually heard Marco P- Connor play the mandolin at the yeah. Silverton Bluegrass Festival, and um, I don't know if you've ever heard him as fiddling, but, you know, he's one of the greatest fiddlers alive. Um, and he could play the mandolin like that, too. But So I remember that when I was maybe eight years old. And the way my, you know, my parents tell it, I just bothered them for two straight years until they bought me some, you know, little $50 mandolin from the pawn shop. Yeah. And um, so I, I just kind of went around. Um, I didn't know anything. There was not access to people who really knew the mandolin I mean my first few teachers were they didn't play but you know they played banjo and they had a mandolin and they kind of knew music so they'd show me a little thing and um and then I met John Moore um and my dad tracked him down actually and um I went and you know the first time I heard him I mean I it's just you know a totally different ball game when you're when you're when you start learning from somebody who's uh like a you know professional mandolin player uh, and guitar player and I mean I, I think he told me at one point he was the first time he was on the Grand Old Opry I think he was 12 years old wow you know it's that kind of thing and uh, and so you know just being exposed to that uh, was a game changer how and and he was in town no he had moved uh to cortez which okay. you probably know where that is cortez yeah. colorado still he, he was about three hours from where i was from but i would see him uh, a couple times a year i you know go to his ranch and hang out for the weekend with his family and um, he'd show me a few things or i'd you know I'd track him down and, you know, follow him to a festival and take his mandolin workshop. And so he's, he's still a, a good friend of mine. And, um, but that's kind of how it went. It wasn't, it wasn't regular, but it was always powerful. Yeah. Oh, that's, it, it, so you learned a ton from him. He was a, he was a, uh, an instructor that wasn't just a guitar player that owned a mandolin that could teach a kid and stay one lesson ahead. He was the oh. real, the real deal. Kind of, uh, kind of a bit of a legend in the bluegrass yeah. world, actually. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, he and and not only that, uh, but he was uh, 
he had been an L.A. studio musician. You know, he played on soundtracks uh, for movies and commercials and stuff. So, I mean, he taught me to write charts, uh, maybe chord charts, when I was 15 or something like that. You know, and I, and I didn't realize till I moved to Nashville so many years later, like, how valuable that was. Mm. That a lot of people don't know how to do that and don't know how to read them. And... Um, and that's something you get from somebody, especially at that time when information wasn't quite as accessible as it is now, you know, 15 years ago. Um, I mean, it was still pretty accessible, but not not the way it is with YouTube and stuff now. But um, so uh, that was it was that those kind of skills that um, somebody in the business would know and, and would say, you need to know this. Right. So, it, yeah, lots of little things like that. Do you have, uh, do you have a takeaway of of one magical lesson or one piece of advice that you were given that was just absolutely life changing for you? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. One thing that uh, comes up in my mind uh, and has many times over the years was on one of our first meetings. I was. Um, you know, I was I was probably ten or eleven, and um, we didn't know each other real well. But um, we met up at a park, and for him to give me a lesson, and he said, "So, what do you want to get out of this mandolin playing thing?" And I don't know if you know, but he he was the teacher of Chris Thiele from Nickel Creek, yeah, and um, of course, and, and Sean Watkins, and um, so you know, and at that time, Chris was my for sure my idol and yeah. uh, so I was like I want to be Chris Thiele <laughs> you know I want to be like just like Chris Thiele and uh and I think I also said that I wanted to be world famous and he said uh uh he said w- w- worry about we being world class and the rest will take care of itself and uh <laughs> <laughs> and you know so that was yeah that's just so true and you know you uh I I didn't I don't even think I paid attention to that until so many years later it's like oh yeah sure <laughs> you just got to work on the craft and and let the chips fall do you do you still practice a lot uh yeah yeah i do every practice day practice a lot um just about yeah i mean if i if i don't it's it's not a good day yeah sure sure well in the and i think that you know those bluegrass chops especially the people that have the bluegrass chops they really got to keep up on it they they sure do and I don't even count myself in that. I've I've kind of um, pursued a, a slightly different route than that. Um, it, more in the songwriting and um, uh, Americana uh, and commercial writing, I guess. So the songwriting has really taken over. Um, but uh, but I do. So you know, I I I'm not as into some of the traditional bluegrass things uh as some people but um but i i still love to play the mandolin and just love the the pursuit of it yeah yeah absolutely and, and now do you still stay in touch uh with john at all oh yeah yeah do you guys play together sometime uh we have not in quite a while but um but i i try to see him when i go back to colorado and and yeah he's he'll she's still definitely a good friend um a lot of times it um uh, it involves fishing or hunting more than anything, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, th- th- those are those are the good kind of friendships, right? Yeah, do that kind of stuff. Uh, and now you, you're also a guitar player, an accomplished guitar player, and you play some fiddle too. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, guitar was 
uh, you know, the, as far as, um, as far as like really studying an instrument, I've done more of that on the mandolin than anything else. Um, guitar, you know, was kind of an easy thing to pick up um, after spending so much time on the mandolin and just kind of, you know, the, the shapes are different and stuff, but the coordination is pretty similar. Uh, and same with the fiddle a bit, even though that one's a little more finicky with the, the right hand and the left hand. Um, but, you know, the fiddle is tuned the same as the mandolin. So you're kind of halfway there on both the guitar and the fiddle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I own a fiddle. I don't play it. I own, I own one. And, um, I just to sometimes like if I'm doing a MIDI part for somebody and I just want to stack a real one on there way in the background mm -hmm. just to help it sound more real or whatever. Um, I sound like a dying goose pretty much <laughs> I, all, no, no matter what I do. And, uh. Yeah, so that's that's I think the the instrument that when I see people really play, mm -hmm. really play it, I'm like, man, that's cool. Uh, the thing I've learned from playing fiddle is that, uh, I mean, in in some ways, it's kind of the epitome of stringed instruments. I mean, the types of sounds that you can get out of it, that, that the you know somebody who's a Mark O'Connor um, or any of the masters could get out of it is so. Um, it's so much like the human voice just in, e in its emotive capacity. It's, yeah. it's really amazing the amount of techniques um, that, uh, that are available on the fiddle that you don't have on um, something where, you know, you press a key and it swings a hammer and it hits the string right. or a pick even. Um, uh, there's something with the, the the bow. It's it's very much like the voice, and I I really like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and so you're taking lessons with John. You're getting to play a bunch. You're realizing that you want to do this as a as a career. Yeah, be world famous and maybe world right. class if it leads there. <laughs> uh, your your first album, your first serious album, came out in 2017. Stray Clouds. Yeah. Um, and that has definitely a lot of bluegrass influence in it. It's it's got a Colorado sound in it. Um, so now leading up to that was, I mean, when you made that album, was the ex expectation like, okay, this is, I'm starting my career here. I'm putting I'm putting this out. I'm going to tour the world. I, what was your mindset when you were working on that? That was, um, yeah, I think so. Man, I ha I haven't thought about that in a long time but that was definitely a huge learning experience um and john produced that and uh, a, a guy named dennis kaplinger who is an amazing musician um played on it and and did the the audio engineering and so um i don't think i had not launched my career yet but Getting to work with those guys um, in that capacity was um, definitely a bucket list kind of a thing, and um, and then yeah, n at that point, then you have a, a product and you can shop songs to people and um, and sell stuff at gigs, and it, it definitely, um, I think the results are that you know you um, people perceive you in a different way, yeah, for sure. But but as far as uh, I've always been, well before that I w was uh, a songwriter and musician, and you know I, I I don't think I considered it the start. 
necessarily. Yeah, right, right, right. And and now after the album, it, was, it wasn't long after that album came out that you decided to move. Yeah, I actually, uh, so I recorded it and then, uh, and then I moved and then I released it. So I was actually in Nashville when I released it. Okay. Um, and, um, and so that was an interesting thing because uh, we were talking earlier that, you know, you've got this network of stuff, uh, w- you know, out west where I'm from. And then you move to the east where you don't have near as many of those connections. And then you put out an album. And, you know, so it, it involved driving back for, sh- for gigs and uh, shows. Um, it involved a lot of miles in the car, getting back to where I knew people to promote it, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah so it, it, that was kind of an interesting <laughs> plan. But, but I was happy to be here. So, well, what was the reason for, I mean, obviously it's Nashville, but I mean, what was, with all your stuff still back there in, in a lot of ways, what was the reason for the move when you did it? Um, I have, uh, I had felt just kind of called to be in Nashville um, for some reason. Um, I'd lived in Southern California and spent time there, um, and Nashville just was... Um, just kind of a, a place I felt I needed to be and I knew a handful of people here I'd made a few connections and I just um, I just decided I, I you know I wanted to to be in the middle of everything that's happening with you know the best writers the writing was the most important thing to me and uh, but as well you know there's uh, the, some insane amount of um, musical talent here too but so just to be just to be in the middle of it and um this yeah so i mean it was more of a kind of an inner voice that like you know you just i just had to go yeah um, had to move here you're glad you came i am glad i am glad it it's been um you know it hasn't always been easy it's actually it's rarely easy but um especially uh especially through the pandemic that was that was a tough thing um because you're you're in a in a place where you know you came for a a specific purpose and that is was unavailable for for quite a while and um so that was a pretty tough time um and uh but i am glad i came there's um there's no shortage of inspiration and uh, great people to learn from, and that's that's what I'm uh, in music for. You know, yeah. is the growth, I guess. What did you do during the pandemic? Oh, Still boy. fairly new to town. What? How did you get through that? So I had um, I moved here. I recorded my second album. First of all, I moved here. I released my first. Then uh, not you know, I can't remember, a year and a half or something, I began recording for uh, my second album, and I had that all tracked and ready to release, and then the pandemic hit. Um, and um, so, you know, that that was just, that was crazy to have that much invested in, in something. Um, and so, you know, the, everything, um, I, I had been playing, playing a lot and uh that was you know not an option anymore so i actually worked for a moving company here in town that was about the only thing that was open and what considered essential basically Mm. um 
was things like landscaping or a moving company, you know, a few other things as well uh, outside of the, the healthcare industry. But um, uh, so I worked for a moving company and um, and I actually enjoyed that quite a bit. It was an incredibly physical job and, you know, um, out there in the heat. But, you know, you're you're doing what you have to do to uh, make it, you know, stay here. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to. Um, have it uh, change my path. So I just decided I was going to do what I had to do to get through. And not to mention, you get in pretty good shape doing that job, I'll bet. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stairs and a lot of lift and stuff. But, yeah. and, and do you still do that at all, or did you no. did you give that up when stuff opened back up? I, I Yeah, I gave that up. Um, I, I actually got a pretty cool job. Um, this was before it, um, things opened up, but... Um, I eventually got a job driving a boat on Percy Priest Lake, uh, which is here outside of Nashville, and um, and so you know I that that was a much more fun, <laughs> much more fun job, and so I did that for a while um, really? and, until things opened back up. I mean, I mean, were you like driving a boat like for a company, or were you a yes. tour guide, or uh, it was uh, basically like for uh, you know you'd people would rent a speedboat and they want to get drunk and they need somebody to drive the boat. And so you're their, you know, party captain. And, uh, that it was a lot of fun. That's great. It was a lot of fun. I'm surprised they didn't just drive the boat drunk. That yeah, seems well, like that would go along with the songs better. Uh, people, people do do that, but, um, I, I don't know, you know, um, yeah, there's definitely some, some drunk drivers out there, but there's also a lot of fatalities on that lake. Really? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the number, but but people run into you know it's it's there's a lot of shallow and then deep and then shallow and a tree just beneath. See, you have the to have some know how to to pilot yeah. the thing. Yeah, you don't want to just go barreling. You know, come in from out of town and with your bachelorette party and you know go uh, hit the throttle. Because um, do they have do they have are they patrolling it too? I mean, are there yeah. cop boats? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, I think it's a state park, so uh, like state patrol. Gotcha. Um, wildlife patrol, basically. Gotcha. Ah, interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that, it was neat. That's really cool. Um, speaking of just all the different things that we do to make a living, mm-hmm. in music in particular, what has the balance been for you? I know you're going out on the road a good bit, but you can't be on the road all the time. What? Have, how have you sort of navigated that uh, the last few years? Well, um, I I do a fair amount of stuff. Uh, you know, my personal projects um, as an artist and a songwriter. Um, then I do I play uh, more or less for some other people as well. Um, I do a bit of studio work when I'm in town. Um, I play, you know, I, I do some fiddling downtown um, in the bar bands. And um, so it's kind of combi- a combination. And then uh, when I'm, I'm not doing any of that, I, um, I also work at um, a bar moving beer cases around. Um, cool. So yeah, I've, I've been really super lucky to have a lot of things, you know, because the ultimate pursuit is as a songwriter, as an artist, I, I, I've, I'm very lucky to have a few things that are really good pick-up, fill-in kind of things. Yeah. You know. It, it, and the, going down and playing with the Broadway bands, what's that like? Do you, 
Um, is there a certain repertoire of songs that as a fiddle player you absolutely have to know on that gig? Were you able, <laughs> yeah. were you able to start winging it at first? or? Uh, I think I think you just you do eventually just have to wing it. But Devil Went Down to Georgia, you've got to have that because mm. they play it and they play it fast. and um, Every night. Uh, as often as possible because uh, on Broadway for, um, I don't know if you've spent much time down there, but there's a few songs that, you know, people have to, pay a hundred dollar tip for for these songs and that's one of them so the more you can play it the better it is for everybody how uh, what are the hundred dollar songs well uh is this uh can i can i say an inappropriate word sure okay dick down in dallas is one of them okay are you familiar with no, that no don't oh, know the, oh okay my, <laughs> all right I'll, uh, I'll have to listen to it you, you will you will um I'm the new guy in town. I don't know about any dicks down in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Well, look it up. Uh, you'll probably be disappointed. But um, uh, <laughs> Devil Went Down to Georgia, Dick Down in Dallas. Uh, what's the other one? Um, Freebird. Yeah, of course. And I think that's it. It's just those three. So those three songs do get played fairly often. Even Freebird? Yeah, yeah. You don't ever just throw up a free bird to the audience uh they do when somebody throws in a five and says free bird <laughs> yeah of course yeah, then it's like yeah you got a ways to go buddy aside from that did you were you able to just kind of get by on that gig until you figure you know over time sort of figured out what got called because i've i've seen there's like a dropbox chord chart list and it's so long and yeah yeah if you're let's see if you're the bass player um like you probably need to be on those songs, um, yeah. but you know, if you're if you're the singer and you've got the lyrics and you've heard the song, you can kind of roll with it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're the fiddle player, uh, you know, outside of songs that have kind of signature licks, uh, "Devil Went Down to Georgia," like "Seminole Wind" or um, oh, what's uh, you know, some of the George Strait and Charlie Daniels songs. Um, that are very fiddle heavy. You got to know those. Um, and outside of that, um, you, you're kind of riffing. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I've been down there. Well, well, I've played solo gigs down there, uh, like a block off of Broadway or, okay. or whatever. So I've heard the noise. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, and I always think it's pretty impressive. I'm like, man, these, these guys are, Doing the thing, and I, there's no set breaks. You kind of just take turns going to the bathroom when you have to. Yeah, and uh, yeah, is it fun? Um, it, it is fun. I've I've done it. Um, let's see. There's um, there's fun parts of it. It's not. Um, it's it's not what I'd say is artistic expression. You know, but it it is um, it is making money to play music to you know, which is a really valuable thing. I mean. Um, uh, it's kind of a, a a little bit of a sidebar. I did. I sang and played guitar down there for a lot for a while, and mm. I don't do that anymore. I, I I just decided to do the fiddle thing. It's a lot less pressure, pressure, a lot less wear and tear on your voice. Yeah. Um. But uh, but having the being able, let's see, having um the ability to pull up and play songs on the spot, um, getting exposed to that kind of material and just having the hours, you know, I was, uh, there was a time I was singing and playing a lot of times, eight hours a day. Yeah. Um, and, Ugh. and doing that at least for a stretch, um, 
you know, it's just time on the instrument. And um, so I kind of, I view it more like that. Uh, it is fun, but it's also like um, uh, a practice session or, you know, it, it's to get something out of it I, I more pl- than money. Plenty of days the last year in Denver, I mean, I was playing almost every night and a lot of times there'd be two gigs and yeah. uh, I was always the singer too so you know playing piano and singing for those the two a days you you get to the end of the day and you feel good about the money you've made mm-hmm. and you feel good about the time in front of the instrument and you feel good about being able to play a couple songs that you hadn't really heard before that people requested but also your voice hurts mm-hmm. and and that I had plenty of nights where I wondered, oh, is this worth it to have? I'm doing this to get to an end goal, right? I'm trying to get better and I'm, yeah. and have experience, but also, do I really want my voice uh, feeling like death? Yeah, you can, you can definitely, definitely hurt your voice um, doing that here and mm. in those kind of situations. And there was a, a moment uh, where I started to feel pain and uh and it lasted for a while and it actually scared the shit out of me for yeah. for a minute uh, yeah so um you know that's fully gone thankfully um but you know once you damage that stuff you uh, there's a point where you don't really recover uh, sure there's surgery and and you know you you might not ever be the same so it's not worth doing that um and so now, um, you know, I, I play the fiddle. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that was and probably a great transition. And then I write and sing my own stuff. <laughs> yeah, of course. of course. Well, and, and what does that landscape look like for you? Uh, I mean, what what's the eventual goal? I mean, where, you know, in terms of what you're doing, what you're doing for a living, what would be what would be the ultimate for you that you're working towards? Is it is it going out for four months and playing five hundred cap rooms and then hanging out at home and writing songs all year? Like what it, what does it look like for you at the quote unquote destination? Yeah, it's um let's see. It's going out and playing venues like uh, a Red Rocks. It's also uh but but being writing being the heaviest part um so uh doing that as an artist because i i love playing and singing for people live um and i really enjoy doing that um but uh but it it would also be to find a market or find artists to cut uh material that maybe i'm not going to get to or i don't personally feel like i am going to sing Uh, yeah so you know publishing kind of a thing yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and beyond that, I mean, it, it's. I sometimes I have too many interests, but uh, but I course. I love. Uh, I love. I really enjoy all the parts of it. So, um, I spend a, a lot of time uh, on instruments, and then I also really enjoy playing live, and I like writing. So, um, I'd love to you know continue to do studio stuff as well. But I'd say. The main thing is, as an artist and a writer, um, touring and and continue to write. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, some of the stuff. I mean, you made a second album as you started to talk about. Yeah. Speaking of some of the stuff you've written that you did decide to sing yourself. Uh, today is the fifty-three week anniversary. Uh, a year and a week, <laughs> or Thank no, two years and a week. Sorry, 
So that would be what, 105 weeks? Gosh. 52? Uh, yeah. The, today is the 105 week anniversary. I better do another one. <laughs> you better do another one. Flu. Of Good Vibrations came yeah. out August 6, 2021. Now that's uh, 105 weeks to the day of recording this, not the day of release. Uh, for anyone listening who wants to call me out on that, all right? I know my stuff. No. <laughs> and uh, the second record is is pretty different from the first. You still have yeah. a lot of your, you know, your roots, uh, your Colorado roots on there. It's very feel good. It's very good vibes. Uh, the first track, Don't Stop Raining, I I love the mix of mandolin and a horn section, which I feel mm-hmm. like isn't something you hear all the time. There's some leftover salmon. There's some Jason Mraz. There's even a little Jimmy Buffett, and I mean that in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah. Because I know a Jimmy Buffett is a is a curse word for some people. Um, but it, it it feels good. There's definitely some pop. There's definitely some bluegrass. There's definitely some. I mean, it's it's a lot of different things. Yeah. But what I noticed listening through to the record was it felt very go, uh, cohesive. Um, you know, it's, it's, it feels like a a record. It feels like an artist with a, with a voice and definitely is, is a different thing from what you put out in, in, in 2017. You probably feel pretty good about the release. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was, um, you know, I, I had, um, it was yet another chance to work with some incredible people and it's kind of something you only get you know, uh, I'm from small town Colorado. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, it's a desert. Uh, it, not I, 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 I don't mean that because there, there is some, some. Uh, There's been really, some rain this year. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, but uh, the the thing that you can get in Nashville is all right. I want Lyle Lovett's trumpet player on it. He's here, yeah. you know, and he's on it. Uh, you know, the the steel player um, played on. Uh, Played and toured. Um, shoot, I'm blanking on a name right now. But um, uh, James for James Taylor for for years and years and you know. So there's there's these uh, these people that when you're growing up and um, you're reading the backs of these albums that you really love and uh, this musician and that musician, um, mm. they're here mm. and and there's um, more than one that I grew up listening to that is on this project um and that's uh you know, just for for me uh in a, an amazing thing to be around and to have come together on your own stuff um so um the recording part of it was uh incredible um and then you know covid hit and and a couple other things that were going on that just really uh delayed the release but uh but um so i I decided to wait till post-covid to to put it out because it was just you know there was just seemed like (laughs) a bad idea to lob it out there (laughs) right with uh with with no end no end in sight it was an interesting time to release things yeah did you do that i did yeah yeah i did i in like the thick of it, I think, like in May of 2020, I just said screw it and I put it out anyway. And I don't know if it was a good decision or a bad decision. It's it's so hard to know with because yeah. the ever changing landscape too of of the social media and and uh, yeah, it, it was. I don't I don't I don't have any regrets. I don't know if it would have been better. Do, what what about you? Do you feel like that was the right decision to to wait on it? I think for 
for me at that time, it was uh, mostly because I was so, you know, I was working for a moving company. <laughs> you know, there was there were some factors where I was uh, I was not able to put my full attention into the release. Uh, right. Where you know, other other people, somebody else might not have felt that way, but for me at that time, it was uh, there. Uh, I just could not could not do that well. You know, so yeah. uh, so I'm glad I waited, but uh, but I know people that put stuff out, and some people um, that advanced their career during that time. Um, so you know, more power to them. That's that's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I, yeah. A lot of people maybe really took advantage of the online game at that at that point. And yeah, that, that's for that's changed the landscape of that since. Uh, it, it's just it's been interesting to see how how. Uh, how people do the thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different ways. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways. When we we had started talking before the interview about um about social media a little bit. Um how what role does that play for you? I I meet a lot of musicians who are very into it and spend the time on it. Mm-hmm. And you do have to spend the time on it. You have to spend a lot of time to make it look like you made a video that took 4 seconds to make. I mean, the people that are doing it consistently yeah. and doing it well. I've also met a lot of great musicians who are like, "Yeah, fuck it. You know, I, I you know, I want to I want to play. I don't want to do that." Where do you sit on that line? How does it help you or or hurt you, I guess. Um, I have, I mean, I have fought against it for a long time, you know. Uh, but as as an artist with a brand, I don't know that there is a way. I don't think you can exist without some form of that um, as an artist with a brand, um, and. I know musicians who are playing the top sessions in town and they have never ever had social media and that's works, you know, and, and great. They have the connections and they know the people and they've been here a long time and they are doing uh, everything they want. But, um, but at some point if, if uh, you know, you're booking a gig in Montana and you've never been there, uh, those people whether it's you know heavy YouTube presence or or Instagram or Facebook or whatever, um, those people w- kind of need to see that you're out there and doing stuff uh, if they're going to put money behind you. So right. I think it's I think it's absolutely necessary. Um, social media in general, um, you know, uh, I think maybe other people are. I can only speak for myself in that um, I can get. I mean, I can just get sucked into things so fast and so hard that um, that I really have to put up um, safeguards against myself spending all day. Oh, as a consumer, doing yeah, nothing, yeah, uh, yeah, and like, oh, I'm I'm gonna get on and I'm gonna post a reel for my, you know, for a gig, and before I even get there, you know, my fingers looking through all mm-hmm. the stupid stuff uh, that's out there, and then it's like. Why was I on here again? Oh yeah, I need to post a reel, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so I I really uh, take I take that pretty seriously, and like really trying to guard myself against that because it, it can uh, just you know swallow your days. As a consumer, as a consumer, yeah, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> I know, it. absolutely, I know it. Um, 
what are your thoughts on on some of these? I mean, you've worked your ass off for years, and you continue to work your ass off. You do so many different things. Uh, and you, what what about these people, especially in the country Americana landscape? And and Zach Bryan is maybe the the pinnacle of right now of this sort of thing. But a lot of artists have done it where they put a song up and it just goes kaboom and then they're playing stadiums. Do you look at that with any sort of, uh, do you have any grievances against people like that or, or is it just not relevant to you? No, I, I think that's, um, awesome. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not that familiar with the, the Zach Bryan phenomenon. Um, I, I pretty ignorant to that, but, um, but I have seen a few people who have really popped, and it's been off social media, but but it hasn't been um, quite as overnight as it might appear. Um, one person that I know um, built a a sizable YouTube channel doing covers um, over the course of ten years. Um, young girl, and um, and. Then she kind of parlayed that into um, a Instagram presence, and then she, you know, but then she released a um, a teaser for one of her songs. She got you know mil- million views on that teaser. She recorded the song, put it out the next week, and you know, Boom. shortly after that, she's um, you know getting. Uh, record uh deal offers and she's on willie's roadhouse and all these you know the mm. the the things um and it did happen uh, that you know it appears that it happened overnight but but i know for a fact she was doing stuff for a decade before that putting time in on the online presence the way that that you have on your on performing live and yeah, yeah. It, she was in a little different space but it it moved and you know it and so her first song on spotify uh you know hit a million streams in a week you know yeah and, um and that's hard to do um sure so but but it wasn't it wasn't so overnight um right so you've done some international touring yeah um talk about that a little bit I um the last couple of years um I've gone over to the UK with uh with David Starr which has been uh really cool. awesome. David and Starr who's been on the podcast S T A R R. Yep. Okay, sorry. Continue. No, <laughs> he's um and um he's he's a good friend and um so I've I've been able to go over there with him and um kind of tag along and that's been a blast and I've made a bunch of great connections and seen um seen a different side of western culture you know that's just mm. older and um have you been overseas and does done I've done Canada my okay. band used to do a, a few residencies in Canada every year bef- before covid and and since then it hasn't happened again but gotcha. that's it gotcha yeah it's uh, I have not done Canada I'd love to but um but yeah there's uh, you know, it's really it's really neat to go. You see so many similarities to the to our culture, um, but it's like the older version of mm. of the thing, you know. And uh, and that's that's always really really cool to see um, mm. and just experience and kind of opens your mind. For me personally, it's uh, you know just the more you know and experience, the better. 
Yeah. It, it, what do you mean by Western culture being a different side of Western culture specifically? Well, um, let's see. In, in England, I've also done um, Sweden and Norway. Um, but but I- England and uh, Scotland, um, you know, we have so much English influence. And to go over there and and just see... Like there's a town we played in, uh, it's called Chester, and it's right in the Liverpool area. But um, that town square was started by the Romans in 79 A.D. Mm. And you're walking on this wall, it, it and you know that's that's that old. Um, and um, I mean, just to be, the architecture is similar to something you'd find in the East Coast of the U.S. You know, I've also I. Um, it, it's just different than if you go to, um, you know, parts of Asia or something, and it's like a totally different thing. This is like, oh yeah, I see. Uh, oh, and, and a lot of the names um, that you'll have um, in the eastern part of the the U.S. Um, come from out there, the uh, the Berkshire or whatever, you know, the Shire kind of a thing. Yeah. And um, so, um, so yeah, just I mean, it, it's where. America comes from in at least you know a, a, a sizable portion of of uh, our influence and mm. so then to see where that comes from is like oh that was the Romans and that's where they got it and then we jumped off but we're just we're a bit you know r- removed from that yeah sure yeah sure. and now there's a Starbucks you know in this old building that was built by the Romans <laughs> over there so that's that's they really kept neat. the building but they, they did yeah yeah stuck an ATM in the in the alleyway and <laughs> So it's modernized. It's 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 pretty wild. That is pretty wild. That is pretty wild. Do do you so you enjoy it, and it's something that you will uh, continue to do. Yeah, yeah. How's, definitely. How's fan appreciation? Oh, it's great for the kind of stuff that um, that we do. Um, it's it's great. They love it. Um, they and there's you know kind of like the thing of being from. Uh, from Nashville, there's a thing of being from the U.S. and going there, and uh, you know people come to hear you just because you're, uh, you know, from another country, basically. Mm. And um, but but it, it's really great. Uh, they seem to um, really love the kind of folk Americana thing. And uh, he and I, you know, I play mandolin, but he plays guitar, so it's uh, it's pretty raw and acoustic and. Um, Especially, man, you get up into Scotland and they're a, a raucous bunch. They're 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 into it. Wow, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It, I mean, would you say that? Do you say that they they appreciate the art more, or is it what you're saying? They appreciate that you're an American. No, I think they appreciate the art um, just as much, but um, yeah. But, you know, maybe they come to hear you, you know, without knowing who you are because you're an American and they're interested. But um, but they um, they're you know, we're in uh, the country music capital of the world. So they kind of maybe perceive what we're doing as kind of country. And to me, it's not country, you know, because I'm yeah. I'm familiar with Nashville country. But to them, they uh, it seems like they really appreciate uh, lyric writing and mm. um, and just kind of the uh, acoustic Americana thing, um, right? Yeah, right. 
What's next for you in terms of? You said you needed to put out a new record. It's been a hundred and five weeks since your since your last yeah. full, full record release. Uh, and is there any plans to go into the studio? How will you record it? And do you feel that it's you know uh, going to be like a sequel to to uh, Good Vibrations in terms of stylings or? Um, have you headed in another direction? And you can answer those questions in any order you like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And and I don't. I I have a pretty good idea of what I want it to be like. That being said, I don't want to say anything that's gonna, <laughs> you know, because I might change my mind. But um, um, I I've got a pretty good plan for it, and um, some of I mean. I, I'm, I'm when it does happen. I'm very excited. I, I th- think it's you know the best material I will have ever put out. You know, without you know uh, jinxing myself on. <laughs> but but in my opinion, I mean, they're they're uh, songs I'm really proud of um, and very excited to get out there. I I'm not. Uh, I wouldn't say it's going to be a sequel. Um, it will probably be something fairly different than both. Um, and maybe uh, I feel like there will be through lines um, that kind of make it all make sense. But um, but I, I really like um, just kind of doing whatever I want. Like the only thing I just want to play mandolin and sing. And and um, I'm a big fan of a guy named Lyle Lovett, who's an incredible yeah. songwriter. And his albums are quite different you know there's he's he's country but he he branches off into all sorts of stuff so i i um i don't want to be um if i wanted to do sequel i would but i also don't feel the need to do that um so it'll probably be pretty different Mm. that's great and you got your players in mind and stuff some of them yeah some of them i'd say it's uh it's it's falling into place but um, cool yeah Cool. That's awesome. Was there anything we didn't cover? Anything I was supposed to ask and forgot to? I don't think so. <laughs> well, I'm super uh, appreciative. Uh, this is the part where I tell you to stay on the line with me for a second, uh, but I I almost did, and I don't need to because you you can't leave without walking past me. So, uh, <laughs> thank you for coming over. Thanks for the hang, and uh, yeah, pr- appreciate it all. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. There it is, my conversation with Eric Stuckey. He's a cool dude. I hope we stay connected. He, he's just down the road. So, um, again, if, if you want to check out his music, Eric Stuckey, on Spotify, you can go to his website. Um, if you want a hard copy or whatever streaming platform, it's out there. Um, the newest release is Good Vibrations from August of 2021, celebrating that record, celebrating its second anniversary, and it's it's really a wonderful record again. Um if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of the podcast, shoot me an email at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com or music at gmail.com. Would love to chat with you about that. And uh, once again, you can join me on Patreon at patreon.com slash andysiddo. I'm putting out uh, some exclusive content on there. I'm doing covers for new members of their choosing. Um, I think that's all. I'll chat with you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.